I struggled not having that title after my name, whatever it was, because then I was just me. I, I don't want to be that person that people perceive to be in for everything and never doing anything. If you're going to do it, do it. You know, we've got products at supermarkets now. That took three years of Tesco saying, no, he must never be forgotten. Yeah. So, like, that, that is the main, the main thing. Cheers, Joe, for coming on. No problem, Harry, any time, mate. Good to see you. I haven't seen you since the NRTA, so we met. I know. What was that, a year ago? Yeah, it must be coming up to a year now. Quite messy, wasn't it? It was a messy night, yeah. It was a good night, though. It was, it was a good night. I enjoyed it, and it was uh, It was good after COVID to see people again. Yeah, see, that was the thing. I think that was the first event that I went to, I could get dressed up as well for it. Yeah, I think it was. We rocked up three hours late, though. <laughs> Lewis didn't want to be on time, didn't want to be involved with the press at the start, so we got there three hours late. Yeah. He missed his award. Well, they won. <laughs> He was outside talking to people, and then we got in. Everyone's like, "Lewis, you need to get on stage quickly." So he's there, like sprinting. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more it's more about the networking of it, anyway, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It was it was a good laugh. To be fair, it was expensive, but <laughs> it was it was definitely good. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll start at the start, and then you know okay. we'll work through. So childhood, obviously, you're at West Ham, weren't you? I was a pl- yeah a youth player at West Ham. Yeah, how was that? Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was always what I wanted to do, and. I was at some other clubs going through my youth. I, was, I went to look at Southampton and shit for Wednesday and I settled at West Ham because I wanted to live at home. Charlton, I went and looked at. Um, I loved it. West Ham was a great club to be at at the time. Mm, you had some pretty good players at that point, didn't you? We had a real good era. So it was the, I was there in 99. It was the first year I, I went full-time and we won the Youth Cup and we had Cole Carrick above us and above that was Lampard and Rio. And so we had the, what they call the West Ham Golden Generation, Defoe, Leon Britton. Um, half the team were through the youth team and it was a, a real close club because at Chad Belief at the time there was three pitches three change rooms first team reserves youth team so he was all in the same building the same canteen so you'd have Harry when you're training saying oh we need a goalie and then you you get called over or we need a player and you'd be in the first team so it was a real good opportunity mm. See I really like Harry Redknapp yeah. always wanted him as England manager <laughs> I think he would have done brilliant Yeah He's a real good he's good at good people person good getting you together Knows his football, good coach, good manager. Mm. So obviously you got injured, didn't you? Was it your shoulder? Yeah, so I got injured when I was 16 originally. I had a reconstruction on my left shoulder and I was out for 12 months. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, they said to me, if it goes again, when you come back, you're done. Mm-hmm. It's over. I was fine for a few years. I was just training one day and I remember uh, Jermaine DeVoe come through. I dived at his feet and I should have held the ball, but it, it spilled out. And I got up and I just put my arm on top of the bowl and my shoulder went pop and I thought I'm done mm. I'm done because I was, I was out for so long it took me so long even to get my movement back it was 18 months in the end um, that I had to retire that was um, the end of that what, what was that like because I know I've got quite a few friends that yeah. might play for Reading or were used to yeah. and a few of them got injured and had to yeah, retire I've, early I mean at the, at, the, at the time it was horrendous because I was only young still, really, in life. I didn't think that at the time, but you spend your whole life, your whole focus on this, well, I did, this one career, this one path, and because of that, it's taken. There is no coming back from it. You ain't getting a second chance, and it's over. And then you're sort of, you're not prepared for anything else mm. in life at all. So you just, you know, you know, at football clubs, not, not, like, not just because I enjoy playing football, but you are getting at nine, have your breakfast, train, have lunch, be here at three, here's your trainers, here's your tracksuit, there's the doctor, there's the physio, there's the surgeon, and 
who are dentists or whatever else. I didn't know how to function, so mm. I didn't know how to book a doctor's appointment. I never had to do that. And getting used to those normal life skills was difficult. Because I'm guessing you were in one of the academies where you didn't really go to school like most people. Or yeah. So when when I start when I got to that age, we were the first age group that only that they stopped the school thing for. So from 15, you went to school three days a week, and you trained two or three and a half and and um, one and a half days. So you come in Thursday afternoons, and then Fridays I'd train and not go to school. That was the first time that happened in my age group, and I loved that because I didn't really like school. Um, I wanted to be at football, and that gave me the opportunity. And I kind of look back on it now, and I don't, I don't regret that about school. But what I always say to my kids and anyone, throughout my whole life, I've always tried to be the best I can be at whatever it is I'm doing. The only thing I didn't do that was with school, mm. and I had to be there, so I regret that. Not that it would have changed my path, actually. I don't think education, but why? If you're going to do something, be the best at it. So why not be the best when you're there? So I completely agree. When I was at school, all I was doing was playing football manager. Where I'm dyslexic, <laughs> they let me have my computer. So yeah. I would literally just be playing football manager. A teacher comes on, swipe it off, and we back yeah. to my work. We used like, to oh, do, I'm a yeah. slow typer. Sorry about that. And from that, secretly, I had Reading in the Champions League it's final. A difficult, it's an addictive game, that game, by the way. Oh, I've got it on my phone now. It's terrible. <laughs> I'm there, like, Reading a Champions League finalist, like three years in a row. It's unreal. But I'll only buy, like, League One and Championship. Yeah, players, yeah. And really, do it properly. Yeah, oh, I'll, get, I'll get too invested into it. It's one of those things. But what, what were you like then at school, like personality-wise? You're quite similar to how you were now. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty outgoing and loud and bullshit. I always told, told the line because my dad was quite, my mum and dad were quite strict about school. So it was like, if you misbehave at school, I'm going to get in trouble at home. So I couldn't get away with stuff. Obviously, I got in trouble like most people did. And I then started bending the rules. When I realised the school weren't sure when I was at school or not at school because of football, I was going in and then leaving, missing some lessons, coming back. And I was getting away with stuff. Um, and there were certain teachers sometimes that would be more lenient to me because I was playing football and I had, a, I had quite, my dad was famous, so a famous dad. And um, people liked that. And then other teachers wouldn't like that. And they'd say, well, that ain't a career. And, mm. you know, and that. And I just wanted to get out of there, to be honest with you. I enjoyed school because I enjoyed, I'm, I'm good in groups. It's probably one of my people's life skills. Um, but I just wanted to get out. I just wanted to play football. I, just, I was ready to leave school early. Did you feel a lot of pressure, obviously, with your dad being a goalkeeper, Man United, Coventry, Luton, yeah. some big teams? Uh, no, so uh, not for my dad at all. So he kind of said to me f- from early, if you want to do it, I'll help you. As in, you can train hard, I, you can do the right things, I'll show you. I mean, if you don't, as long as you're happy, do what you want. That means be a bin man, mm. be a bin man as long as you're happy. It was like that because ultimately, I was brought up in it, it's true, Football is just a job. It's like any other job that yeah. anyone does. It's a career. It finishes at some point. You get sacked. You've got a contract. It's no different. Just because it's in the public eye, that's how you feed your kids. So that's what my dad did to feed us growing up. And ultimately, that's all it is. Do you know mm. what I mean? It becomes a bigger thing because it's a supported thing and people see it differently and people are earning money and, and all of that. But the stockbrokers and bankers are earning just as much money. Yeah, true. It's just a job. Shame it's not recruiters earning the same amount of money, is it? <laughs> I don't know, you might, there might be a few of them. But so then, okay, so football finished, yeah. went into work, business, yeah. and everything like that. So did you, as soon as you did there, a couple of years, set up, is it one-to-one? Yeah, one-to-one sports management and NTS Premier Sports. We had an, a range of companies in the sports industry, one in America, one in Spain, and two in the UK. Um, I went into that. So as soon as I retired, um, I went and worked for Stella. 
Okay, yeah. They were my agent. They're probably the biggest agency in the world now. And um, I was there for a few years. I learned what I was doing. I was having problems, I think, working for someone. I weren't used to that, that atmosphere. And I thought, nah, <clears throat> I can do this myself. So I went out, and we set up, and I just grew it. And we ran it for the best part of 12 years mm. and sold it. It's interesting because I was an intermediary for about two years and I contacted someone from Stella and they were the person that actually helped me get into it. Okay. I can't remember his name now. He used to play for Leeds and Chelsea. That's okay. all I know. But um, now it's obviously quite different because we were contacting players through Instagram yeah. and everything like that. Back then, What? how were you going around finding people? I went to games. Went to games. So, really, I, and I still see agencies like this, I think not enough agents go to games because mm. not only to get to see the players... You need to know what it, what your clients are doing. You need to watch them play. You need to assess it. You need to talk to the clubs. You need to be visible. So we, I would go to games, reserve games and youth team games. First team games you don't need to do. Yeah, yeah. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, reserve games. Saturday, Sunday, youth games. Side of the pitch, watch someone, like a football scout does, watch someone for a few weeks. Don't just grab as many people as you can get because yeah. ultimately that costs you money and they're not if they're not good enough, it's no good having 100 not good enough, you're better off with one good one. Mm. So find those ones and gems that you like. You can get on with them and work with them. Do it properly. See, I always remember going down to Forest Green. And it was like absolute yeah. heavy, heavy rain yeah, on the yeah. side of the pitch. And I was like, this is hell. I was like, this is not for me right now. <laughs> I think I was like 20 at the time. Yeah. And I was like, they weren't even covering my expenses, nothing like that. So yeah. I was going all off my own back. And we signed a few players from there, Portsmouth and stuff like that. And most of them did get released. Yeah. But they were the best in their the groups. In their groups. Not a See, single that, player got kept on. That, that's the difficulty, and you can't do nothing about that. That's that's down to the players. I say to the players, look, I can't keep the ball for you, but you've got to get your opportunities. Now, if you sign the wrong players, what you have to do, I've always believed, is stick by them. Mm. So I run an agency. I was, if I sign you at 16, I sit in front of your parents and say, I'm here to help you. When it goes wrong and you end up playing 11th tier or whatever you play, I've still got to help you. Yeah, now, yeah. I'm going to make no money out of that. I gave you my word when he was 16. So if it ends when he's 26, so be it. You know, And by doing that, you hopefully get a good reputation. They tell their friends. Because football sm- is a big industry, but very small network. Yeah, definitely. And if you do misrepresent a player and he's in the change room, he will slag you off to that team. And mm. There's like 25 players that hate you then. Do you know what I mean? But if someone says, look, I didn't make it, but he looked after me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's definitely, I still Rose. get calls from some parents now. I remember that one of them was texting me saying, like, sending me all these boots saying, can you go buy me these? I was like, yeah, absolutely yeah. not, mate. I was like, that's not happening. You have to be real careful of that. I mean, there was a big, there was a big sway, especially in mid-2000s, 2010, where players and parents wanted money and cars and to sign with agents and boots and all of that. And you can get caught in that trap because you think people are doing it. But you think, like, the average pair of boots now for professional players, 250 quid, something yeah. like that. They want boots every, you know, even four times a year. You're talking the best part of two, three grand. Mm. So I say to people that always talk to me about setting agencies up, look, be aware, per player is going to cost you five grand. Food, expenses, driving around the country, seeing them, boots, whatever it is. It's going to cost you five grand. So if you sign 100 badens, oh, yeah. you're 500 grand in. Mm. So be careful. It ain't as easy as everyone thinks. Plus, I had a real big benefit. that I'm from that background. I, my dad, I knew people in the game. Getting people to answer the phone, managers, is difficult if they don't know you. Mm. And that's hard as well. And that's probably harder than getting the players. It's the network of CEOs, managers, scouts, you know, owners. You see, where I wasn't from the industry originally, I remember mm. trying to call Neil Warnock once and he, um, yeah, he screamed at me. Did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah. I caught him on a bad day, but 
he yeah. wasn't he wasn't happy. He was like, "Where did you get my number from?" And all this sort of threatening <laughs> GDPR, doing all that, and I was like, "Oh God, here we go." Hello. He was like, "You need to tell me who gave you this number," and I was like, oh. "It's a bit like Gary Neville when those schoolboys are trying to prank call him." That was funny. I mean, I, yeah, I think it's like that because you don't know as well. Manager's stressful job, but you never know. You're ringing them about two between two and six. You don't know what's happened that day. Oh, Some no, days you get them, they'll be as good as gold, and another day. Rip your, rip, rip your throat out but they will always ring you when they want something wouldn't they so if oh, they yeah. want your player then, then they ring you yeah then they're all friendly at that yeah. point and uh, yeah it's, I remember still I still got his number actually yeah. I think he must have changed it by now 100% I don't know why don't you ring him oh what try to ring him now <laughs> could you imagine start screaming and swearing on the podcast tell him he's won a kitchen or something <laughs> Send him Tom. Yeah. Send him Tom's way for some beds yeah. or something. But so then, fine. So you you sold that. I sold that. So we grew that to quite a large business, and we ended up representing some of the biggest. What I, what ended up happening was I got the rights to to Floyd Mayweather for the marketing in Europe, okay. and the, and um, the glitch goes. So I was working with their lawyer in America, and because of that, this American agency found out about us. They wanted them rights. They bought my business. Now it literally came out of the blue. It weren't for sale. No one really sold an agency, not for a long time, because what was happening was in eight, late 90s, they were buying agencies. The person that ran that agency was staying for their period, leaving and resetting up, and all the clients were just leaving to the new co. Of course, so, two-year contracts, isn't it? Yeah, so I don't think anyone sold an agency for 10 years until mm. I sold mine. Um, and I got literally a phone call, and I thought someone's winding me up. Mm. It was an American law firm. I ended up having a meeting. They did a deal, and... But it just consumed us because they were they were a huge Hollywood agency. They yeah. bought lots of sports agencies that year, um, and it just consumed it. Mm. And how was that period when you sold a business? Because I speak to a lot of people that have sold a business. They the first thing they do is they go on like right moves, Zoopla. They look at the houses, look at the cars, and then they have like a bit of like a dark period of think, do I really want to be doing this? Do I not? Did you have that whole roller coaster? No, a little bit, but not not that because I, I say to people, like, I sold my business, I did a right out of it, like, like as I see it, but I already had money. So mm-hmm. that point, and my wife runs a business with a thousand members of staff, so we already had money, so that didn't change. So I never moved. Cars were already nice cars and stuff. I went on holiday more that first year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it did get dark. What I struggled with was, um, and it just took me t- a long time not to be like this about anything. So I was Joe Seeley the footballer, I was Joe Seeley Les Seeley's son, then I was Joe Seeley the agent. I struggled not having that title after my name, whatever it was, because then I was just me. Yeah. That I struggled with. So when people say, what'd you do, or whatever, nothing. Do you know what I mean? So I a bit of identity crisis. Yeah, point, I think yeah. I did. And there was no reason for that. Do you know what I mean? But I wouldn't just be able to say, I'm a Joe, it had to be something. That took me a long time to work out why that was, or what was going on. Mm. But, you know, because in the end, I, re- cause I didn't do anything for three or four years. I just thought I'm retiring. Yeah. Enough money to retire. So um, I thought I'm going to retire. And I didn't do anything for a couple of years. And in the end, I was getting up at 11 o'clock, walking around in the dressing gown, watching Jeremy Carl, thinking, what, is, what has happened to me? Mm. You know? So I sorted that out, started doing sort of what, what's evolved into what I do now. And it, it took time to do it. And my wife can't say, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my attitude was, I've got enough money. You just need you know? to be doing something. Yeah, but my attitude, I learned, had to learn that because I thought, yeah. oh, I've got enough money. My kids have got enough money forever. I ain't doing nothing. But I was wrong. It was bad for my mental health. Yeah. What it was bad for. See, that's the thing. That's what a lot of people that I speak to, they might sell their business and they're just like, right, I don't know, I'm not doing anything. Mental health, drinking, yeah. going out. Yeah. Those kind of things Definitely. all pick up. And it's just a bit of a... You've got a low because you ain't got nothing and you're, you're not getting up anymore to do anything. You've got none of, you're not tired because you're not on the phone all the time or you're emailing or you're just doing what you want. Mm. You get a lot more energy because you're watching the telly. 
after yeah, day yeah. or going for a walk or lunch or dinner or you're doing nice things all the time. I still I still can't go over there they've actually axed Jeremy Carl. I remember at school, that's all we used to watch. He's, he's back from on Reading. Now. He's back on site now. He's on, he's on a is new he? channel. He's on a new channel, yeah. But yeah, he's, on, he's got a new channel. Is it on telly? He's on something now. It's just died. See, I'm going to have to start watching that. Yeah, yeah, he's on something. I've, seen, I've been seeing it pushed out a lot on social. See, when we were at school, his show would always be on. And when I went to school, and there was like borders there and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. So everyone used to just crowd in these rooms and just watch Jeremy Carl, like 40 of us all at once. And it was it was quite funny, but you do look at it now. But apparently they get paid to go on it. I don't know. Someone that uh, worked for my wife for a little while was on it, went on it once. Yeah, his partner um, was having an affair with another woman. And it was on Jeremy Carl. Oh, wow. <laughs> I used to always want to go be in the audience. I used to always apply for tickets. I never yeah. got any. It was you know, No, I was gutted. I think I was still applying to the day that it got axed, like a four-year <laughs> period. Like every single week, I'd log back on there, being like, oh, is there any tickets? It was a massive show, though, at the time, wasn't it? Oh, it was huge. It was entertaining, it was. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, someone committed suicide after yeah, that was, and like that. So, it's, yeah. uh, so when did Macclesfield come into this? Because you tried to buy Macclesfield Town, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, it came in a, f- a, lot, a, lot, a few years after. About, f- about three or four years ago, um, I'm, I played football at West Ham with the manager at the time, Darren McMahon. Mm-hmm. So he comes to Mac and we started seeing each other and talking to him. And I'd looked at Mac previously a little bit, but he didn't want to sell it. You know, no one knew about this a few years before. I had a couple of conversations with the guy. And I started to hear about what was going on. I live seven miles from the club. It's in a really, Maxwell's not that wealthy, but it's, it's three miles from all the money in the Northwest. It's three miles from all the edge, Wilmslow, Presbury. So anyone that's, Super successful or got big business GHD, they live there. Yeah. So to me, it was a little gold mine, as in a football club that you could bring sponsors in of mm. a good standard and, and improve it. It couldn't get any worse. They literally had nothing no no training ground, no balls. It was a, it was a shambles, really. And the, but the players and the management were doing amazing. Yeah. So I really, I really went for it. I um, I started to contact him. He wouldn't reply to me. I was ringing people up saying he's not replying to me. And he's like, you've got a WhatsApp in me, only WhatsApps. Mm. I don't know, how am I supposed to buy a business by, by WhatsApp? Um, and I contacted him by WhatsApp and he, and he replied things like, you can't afford it, who the fuck are you? And, and all this. And I said, like, go find out about me, ring me back. And he did. Um, and he, he wasn't forthcoming on, in, in selling it. And in the end, what I did, and I, I sort of half regret this, I went public because I thought I've had enough. It went on for like privately for three or four months. Yeah. I just weren't getting anywhere. So I thought, oh, I'm going I'm to go for him here. So I went, went public. I did an article in a local newspaper that ended up going national and ended on radio. And, and I just went for, I slaughtered him publicly, really, to mm. get him to, I forced him into talking to me. And we did agree a deal. And it kind of went like, deposit this amount of money and I'll give you the, the accounts. I deposited that amount of money. I didn't get the accounts. And then it was this amount of money. And in the end, I deposited the full amount of the deal in cash into an escrow account, and he still didn't give me the, the accounts. Mm. So after a month of having this, it was a, a seven-figure sum with a lawyer lodged, I went, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing this now. It's gone on six months. Um, and then three or four months later, they went, they went bust. Yeah. Um, and we did, have, we did make an offer to the administrator at that point, I think the people that got it offered 25 grand more than me. But to be honest with you, I wanted a league club. Yeah. The appeal, the appeal of having that club where, it's, where it currently is, even they've done it fantastic. It's not what I wanted. Mm. You know, I wanted a club, National League and above, that could be improved. I didn't want to have to build something for 11 years yeah. and fund that to get to where it was. So we did make an offer. 
but they offered more and it looks like it's worked out well so you know maybe in the long run the best thing for Mac was happened was me doing what I did um, I think eventually we will own a football club we do we are looking at football clubs not fairly regularly but mm. enough is there any that really catch your eye at the moment you could say Derby but that's a I mean it's a big club Derby I mean Derby would be a great club um, there's a few there's a few there's one I went for recently that I thought it was fan owned and we looked at it um, they didn't want to do it didn't want to have an owner so I didn't go any further but what would definitely not happen is I will never go public about what club I'm looking at again yeah. because I don't want to be that person that's linked to clubs all the time and never buys one mm. so I did that at Mac so I've probably been out in and looked at five six clubs up since then no one knows who they are yeah of course um, and it's going to stay that way until either it happens or it doesn't there's one at the moment where there's an offering. We're, I'm involved in an offer for one at the moment, and I want to know what that is until it happens. I guess if you keep going public with it, you'll get a bit of a reputation. And yeah, I, I don't want to be that person that people perceive to be in for everything and never doing anything. If you're going to do it, do it. I went down that path in Mac. I ain't doing it with another club, so it won't. No one will know until the day we sign that contract. Mm. So you mentioned your partner Nicole earlier, yeah. briefly. So Real Housewives of Cheshire <laughs> yeah. and everything like that. What, what's that all like? I love it. Mm-hmm. It's great. The people there are great. It's good fun. And that happened because of Macclesfield. Oh, okay. So they had approached her. My wife's quite private, actually. They would approached her for about five years since the mm. first season, and she'd always said, nah. Now, there was a period during that Mac deal where there was a couple of days, and I thought, this is going to, this deal's going to happen tomorrow. And they'd approached her, and I said, look, I need you on that show for sponsors, tickets, and exposure for Macclesfield. There's a million people a week watch that show in England. Yeah. It's only 24 other countries. So I need that, them viewers towards that. And she went, okay. And she, so she signed. And my, deal, my deal fell through. And at the time she was a little bit like, oh, but I think now she's, she's, I think she's good at it. Um, and how long that continues for, who, who knows, but it's an enjoyable ride. It creates business opportunities and the people that make it are fantastic. You must get something quite similar. So my mum and dad watch it. Well, my dad does, he calls it my mum's show. They will do that. Yeah, so he'll go, oh, Joe, you'll take your shows on, I've pressed pause for you. Yeah, yeah. Secretly, he's the one that wants to watch it. Yeah, yeah. So most men, like, I walk down the street, and people say to me, I love your dad. Right. They don't know he's my dad for any other reason, yeah. for that show. And then they'll go, my wife watches that show. I don't watch it. Mm. Every time, same thing. I don't watch it, but she does. Yeah. I think, mate, you wouldn't recognise me mm. unless you watch that show. And they all say it to me. There's not many men that say I love, I like that show, but the viewing numbers on it and the and the demographics are amazing. Last mm. week's primetime TV, isn't it? It's big prime, channel. Primetime telly. It's on in America now, Canada, Australia, Germany. It, you know, you walk around. I'm in Europe, and you know, I was in London two weeks ago. I'm standing outside this hotel, and three Canadian girls come up to me saying, "I love your show." I said, "Where have you seen that?" She said, I watch it in Toronto. I love it. I'm standing on the street in in, in Soho. So, you know, it's amazing the doors it opens up and we're working in, we're doing work in Saudi Arabia now because of it. There's, mm. you know, business deals going on left, right and centre based on the exposure level from that show. So I think it depends what you want from it and what you want, want out of it. Now, we use it to grow our business network and our businesses. Mm. So that's the thing, like, you look at Love Island, you look at the shows like this. If you use it in the right way, like Molly Mae's a prime example, yeah. right? She's using it in the right way, smashed it. There's a few people that don't use it in the right way and then two years later... Nothing. I'm not going to say who it is. So one of last year's last year's love islands is staying with me in a minute. He's a friend of mine. I play football with him, and I've been having that conversation with him over the last month. And we we're about to launch two businesses together because mm. I've said to him, "Look, 
and he knows all them PA start stopping, all that money stops because the new lot are in. But you still got exposure levels. So we're looking at launching because we own, me and the co own an alcohol brand that's about yeah. to launch, uh, vodka gin and a prosecco. I've said to him, let's do a let's do a range of rums with you. So we're doing that, and we've got a furniture business opening together. So we've just he's, he's still in Cheshire. I left him in bed this morning. <laughs> I'm coming back to have dinner. So we've been doing those deals over the last few days. Yeah, and exactly that. I think these people. The difference between our show and those shows and Toei is everyone on our show is a bit more established in life as in they're older. Yeah. So we already had our businesses. The TV thing comes second, but it's really difficult, I think, for people on Toei and Love Island to be 18 to 30, not really have any career behind them or business. Not many of them do. Some of them worked in Waitrose, for example. Yeah. You get on telly, that show's not paying you really any money. Mm. But you've it's got minimum wage or something, isn't it, for the hours they film? Or... I think it is on those shows. Our show's different. You're contracting and you're paid a, a yearly amount. But yeah. I believe Toei's £80 pound, right, an yeah. episode, right? I don't know if that, how true that is, but that's what I'm led to believe. Now, but they have to have a lifestyle that's way above that number. Mm. And a lot of the people I know that have been on that show get in massive debt. Yeah. Because it's hard, because it's hard once you're not going to go back to normal to go and work in Waitrose. It's difficult because that's an esteem. You know, your ego is still going to take a massive hammering. You've left a national TV show yeah. and now you're back in Waitrose. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But you've got to get that into them. So I'm like talking to these influencers from these shows at the minute saying, look, if you want it, there's opportunities here for you. But you've got to go and get them. And whoever gets them first yeah. will win because you all can't do it. No, definitely. I know who you're on about because I saw in your stories and everything like that. Yeah. But see, I stopped watching it last year. I just, I don't, I've never watched it. Yeah, see, I can't get into it anymore. Yeah, I've never watched it. I watched it last night with him, actually. For the first time ever, I watched Love Island. I watched it with him. Um, and it was interesting watching it with him because I was like, what happens? Because I've never watched it. Yeah, I was yeah. like, can he just take your bird then? And he's like, yeah. I yeah. was like, oh, this is like, you can see why it's addictive to me. Oh, yeah, massively. Like, I watch it on TikTok. We'll get into your TikTok in a yeah, minute because yeah. I was cracking up laughing about that earlier. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I was watching some like the highlights on TikTok and there's someone in the last, like, first name something Sue and I'm like, you've just been put on there just for the whole Ronaldo thing. 100% and yeah, it's yeah. worked. Like, it's going absolutely yeah, yeah. massive. I think she'll smash it after because of her name alone. Yeah, a million percent. You, you, know, you know, it's like you're coming out of those shows with, I don't know if people going there, say 20 people. You've got to have something different to be mm. the number one. I think it's like 40 odd of them. Is there 40 odd of them? Is there's there? two houses and they split the houses oh, and stuff right. like that. And there's, yeah. I see. So that's a lot of people coming two, out. Two or three get remembered, maybe? Yeah, because you've season. got. How many, how many seasons have there been? 10? Oh, I think it's like six or seven. That's like 400 people. Yeah, I know someone from season two and no one knows who he is. He was in for two days, to be fair. He got oh, kicked was he? out. But then so I think he, killer, he struggled a bit after and he, he's a really nice lad. Um, but even he says he was like, it's a terrible decision. Yeah, and then sometimes when you're on no shows, people don't realise. It's hard to get on other shows because you've got that show. Because I'm talking to talking to him about this as well. Like you, then you can see it. They go from that to X on the beach to like yeah. those type of shows where you like not prick shows, but ones that you've got to be a, a player on. You don't mm. really get. You don't go on I'm a celebrity. They've never taken someone on I'm a celebrity. Yeah, for example, or or dance on an ice or whatever. And that's what you've got to try and change. But you've got to try and change that in your persona on social media. Yeah, that's the only way they're going to see you, and it ain't easy. No, no, I'm a celebrity. See our mutual Tom, Tom Skinner. Do you want to see him on there? Yeah, I think Tom would be great. To, to be honest, I was interviewed for I'm a Celebrity last year as the wild card. Oh, okay. I, went, I, got, I got put forward for that um, out of the blue um, and I enjoyed the process. In fact, I'm quite glad I didn't get it because um, I didn't want to do it in Wales. But That's the you know. thing. If you're going to do it, you need to you do it in Australia. You went the full slug, didn't you? Mm. Um, 
And it was an interesting process. I mean, it literally, I literally got a phone call out of nowhere saying, do you want to do you want to do this? You're going late. There's three people up for it. You're one of them. And I said, yeah, I'll do it. Of course I will. Mm. You know? It is one of those shows, isn't it? It's like, if I had to pick any show, it might be that, but I hate spiders. I don't like many things. Like, I can do spiders. I could do the eating thing easy. I can eat anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that one, golden. I don't want to be buried. I don't think... And snakes and rats, I mean... My wife's terrified of rats, but snakes. I don't know if I want snakes near me. Oh, see, I don't think I could deal with any of them. Even a little spider in the office, I'll run. <laughs> I like, don't mind spiders. No, I'm, see, I'm, I'm terrible. But so, fun tonight, social media-wise, TikTok. First yeah. of all, TikTok's cracked me up. Your menopause updates at the moment. Yeah, so that was random. That's turned into something. They've actually We've done a documentary now on that. So there's a documentary okay, well. released on ITV, two-part special about the menopause with us mainly featuring two of the three of the other housewives called Hot Mess in July. Yeah, uh, they're denying that they stole that from my TikTok. Uh, definitely, ITV are denying they stole the idea from my TikTok. But it's funny because I think it's quite heavily featured in it. But I don't mind that because actually, I did it random. That was not planned. Yeah, yeah of right? course. So what happened was I dropped my wife. <clears throat> she was being miserable, and I thought I'll cheer up. I'll take her to Nando's. Mm. Right, that cheer her up. So, Classic, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? <laughs> so I get to this Nando's in Manchester and. It's raining. I thought, yeah, really, I just wanted to get out of the car because she was driving me mad. So I said, I'll pull up outside, darling, it's raining, you get out. And she gets out. She says to me, you used to be nicer to me. And so she shuts the door. I must have drove half a mile, parked the car and walked back in the rain. Yeah, right? yeah. And I thought, I'm going to post this, what she said to me. And I just said, does anybody know anyone for anyone help for men living with women with menopause? Because this has just happened. And it went bang, 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 bang. And like, I got message after message after message. I then started calling the menopause update, and then one of someone, a cameraman from our show, said, "You've got to keep do it saying menopause update and look away like you're doing." Because I didn't know I was doing it; I was just yeah. doing it. It's just generic, so I kept on doing it, and it's just grown from there. But none of it's fake. Yeah, of so course. she has to do something for me to do it, and it. It's, it's like a fan around the neck when you're saying she looks oh, like a drone. Killed me that this. I, I walked in one day. She's got this metal thing around her neck and two fans, and she's and this is the best thing ever. I'm thinking what? What is, where have you got this from? I stole it from the nail lady because the nail lady used it. And, the, I think, and people are telling me it's a TikTok fan, but I didn't know that. Yeah. And it's just a drone that sits around the neck and there's all that. Like, it's yeah, quite smart though. It's, uh, have you used smart. it? Yeah, I've put it on. It's just <laughs> mental. I mean, it's got, you've got two fans just blown in your face. As hard as you can, but to her, but we're doing, there's a lot of interesting stuff coming out of that because mm. I didn't realise what a big subject it was and how many marriages fell and how many women feel, feel alone now. What what I'm finding now is because I'm doing um, they've creating they're creating a a vest that gives men the home like the hormonal feeling and the hot flushes. I'm wearing that new vest next month, first first time ever anyone ever for 24 hours. So I should feel like what it's like to be a menopausal woman for 24 hours, which yeah. which will be interesting. But I'm finding that that subject from the last generation, say my mum's generation, they, they didn't talk about that, mm. and this is opening it up where it's it's fine to talk about it. And I know Davina McCall and that has done stuff. And I did it as, started it as a joke and it's turned into quite a serious thing and people kill themselves and husbands leave. And it's difficult because as you can say, I'm a piss taker. I'll talk, yeah, I yeah. will talk about anything. There's nothing of, of things with me on social media or in life. But if you're a private person and your wife's private, you have that relationship where you're not talking about anything. Yeah. Um, that's a secret in your marriage. And it's really difficult to understand it because mm. women, you know, it's good and bad in, in marriage. I'm sure I'm not perfect, right? Yeah. She'll tell you that. Um, 
and you shouldn't fall out over something for a difficult period for your wife. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's quite nice to say they're doing documentary stuff. It looks like you're trying to pioneer that from like a men's point of view. Yeah, I think it. I think it needs. I, I'll be honest with you. I've learned. I've learned so much via it. I didn't think it was a a thing. Yeah. I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't. I was happy she went into menopause because she had terrible PMT every yeah. month. I, she was horrendous. So I thought this is good. That'll be over. I didn't realise it was a whole other thing. Mm. And like, what's happening to their bodies? And it does bone problems and all sorts of stuff. And I've learned so much via it. You know, mm. and it's. I think it's worth getting it out there and however that gets out there that's fine whether it's me or somebody else doesn't matter because I think yeah. people do need help with it mm. it's a serious thing no 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 definitely and then so obviously doing stuff like that and then mm. DT38 Foundation as well so we do yeah. some charity stuff as well yeah, can so we talk a little bit about that yeah DT38 Foundation was started eight years ago so I represented a player at West Ham called Dylan Tombides who died of uh, testicular cancer he was probably the best young player I ever saw Mm. and what a guy like forget football ability personality infectious like we ended up part of our family Christmas day together yeah. loved him loved his family um, and he went to the Mexico under 17 World Cup and at this point I'm not joking he played in the Premier League at 16 I had you name a club Man City Barcelona I had, I had them on the phone about him he went to this World Cup and he failed a drug test and I remember thinking there is no way I know what he's like. Yeah, clean, yeah. clean kid. Failed a drug test, and what it was, he had a his testicle was twice the size of what he should have been. He was creating too much hormone. Now he did go and get it checked by the doctor. He, did, he was embarrassed to go to the club doctor. He went to the local GP and they said it was a cyst. Don't worry about it. But it wasn't. It was cancer. So it was creating hormone in his body. Made him fail the drug test. He had it removed, and over the next two or three years, it kept it kept returning throughout his body, and he eventually died at twenty years old. And it was a it was a terrible thing, and. His mum, me, and Nicole, and his dad, and his brother. A few other people started the charity in Australia and the UK to remember him. It's part of the West Ham. It's a West Ham official charity, yeah. and we just create awareness around around that. And it's real key. And it's it's had a real tough few years because of COVID. Because we mm. generate the majority of our money by events, uh, runs, or boxing, or golf, or football. Yeah. And because we had none of that, really hard, really mm. hard. And uh, for me, he must never be forgotten. Yeah. So. Like that, that for me is the main the main thing because forget about sport. He was such a great guy. Yeah, and that's what's important for that charity in my in my mind. He must never be forgotten. Mm. So I know you do a lot of the charity football matches as well. And, and yeah. you were in Oxford the other week, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, we I saw that and I was on like, Sunday. We should, I was like, we should have just done it then on Sunday. I was like, that would have worked so much better than you yeah. to drive back down yeah. and everything like that. Yeah, so that's that's fantastic as well. Celebrity foot, celebrity soccer. Got involved in that last year. Um, and the games are random sometimes there's six a month sometimes there's one I guess it depends on stadiums and pitches yeah. it's run by a guy that's from London who's actually Wimbledon's AFC Wimbledon's top ever scorer Kevin Cooper Okay, but he actually ends up well, I've met him at football a few times but then he, I actually realised he lives a mile from me in Wilmslow but I didn't know that oh fine and we go around the country playing games and I think since he started it they've raised 1.34 million pounds wow. and it's always a different charity every game normally a, a local one or something to do with the club and we get to play in front of football stadiums in front of people sometimes we'll get 500 sometimes there'll be 10,000 people watching and one are you doing a great thing for charity two I love playing football and three yeah. I say to Nicholas Nicole says to me you're going again I say yeah because when am I going to get to play in front of thousands of people again I, that's never going to happen I'm 40 nearly mm. so I get something out of it and I get to give back to that charity 
Yeah, I guess your network's network, right? So it's great for networking. Yeah, you're always around people, and it's like, who, who's the worst player on the pitch that you've done it with? I can't say Dean Gaffney, but <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that whisper it there. No, he's a, no, do you know what? There's a massive range, and actually, it doesn't matter because you'll get. 18-year-old YouTubers, TikTokers, that yeah. I don't know who they are, but I've got millions of followers. And then you've got 70-year-old men that are on The Apprentice or something. Do you know what I mean? Or, yeah, or, or Nev Wiltshire from the call centre, who I've become great friends with, who sadly died as well because of COVID. And a massive range of ability. You've got ex-players and you've got people that have never kicked the ball in their life. Because, but everyone's there for the charity. Yeah. But yeah, I use it. I'll be honest with you. You got me on the air there. I use it to network. I, I saw it and I was like, I, I, I do think, because we got yeah. reached out because um, someone that was doing like, the sponsors for the Oxford one yes. said, oh, do you want to sponsor? Then you can play in the match. I was thinking, I can't run around yeah, for 20 yeah. sponsors, minutes. Sponsors play. It's great. It is great for networking. Mm. It is. You get to meet everyone. You're in the change rooms with everyone. Everyone's great. Um, but like even like this, this, this two businesses now that I'm doing with with uh, Love Islander. Yeah. You're about to say I don't know if he wants me to. Um, I don't think he'll mind, but I don't want to. Um, it's because of that. Yeah, of course. I met him on that. We get talking in the change room. And it's actually, I'm doing quite a lot with quite a few of them now because what I've realised before is all these people on telly are not earning the money people in football earn. No, not a chance. And they know they've got to do something else, but they don't know what to do. Yeah. Well, I do. Mm. You know, that's what I do now. I invest in businesses. That's my business now. So I'm trying to help a few of them in that way, net yeah. my network. You know? how, how important is networking? Massively. For everything? Everything I've got is because of networking. Mm. That's my skill. So, I asked, my wife's not a good networker, but she is, but she doesn't like doing it. Yeah. I think where I come from a sports background, a changing room mentality, I'm good with that. So, I can be put in different groups yeah. at any level, bold level, or, or someone who works in Tesco's, and I'll treat everyone the same, and I can sort of work out what that person wants yeah. out of this relationship, and what I want out of that relationship, and that is my skill. Yeah, million percent my skill. Everything else, I'm rub. I was saying rubbish. I don't do spreadsheets. I don't really like emailing. Yeah, I don't want to do any of that stuff. I want to talk to you on the phone, and I want to see you. So what we do now as a business, we we invest. So we, inv- I've, you know, probably own parts of thirty businesses at the minute. Mm-hmm. I do it with my my best friend and my business partner. I call him daytime wife Phil. Um, Phil Phil makes cupcakes he owns a a factory that makes every cupcake in every supermarket whether it's Cabby's own brand East Factory makes it all white label anyway 150 million cupcakes a year we do investments together he loves the computer spreadsheets he's got 17 screens on his desk I've got none I sit on a phone and a laptop he wants spreadsheets and all of that and I want to sit with a person yeah, so Excel sums and doing all of that. He loves oh. it. He wants to do that. He wants the business plan. I say to him, "Does it work?" He'll say, "Yeah." He say to me, "What's the person like?" I say, "Yeah, they they're fine." And we'll do we'll do investments mm. based on that, literally that. Um, and it it can range from anything. We will yeah. look at anything. Mm. Say hypothetically, I had like ten grand here. Yeah. And I said I want one bit of advice for someone that's setting up a business. You get ten grand for it. Yeah. What would be your what would be your one thing? I don't think because you need to know your market better than anyone else yeah. in the world, and and when people say you, you can't you can't start a business and think you're going to work nine to five, yeah, it does not work like no, that. Not a chance. Okay, now it doesn't mean you have to work from seven to eleven. Look, it does help, but it does mean some days you will have to, mm-hmm. and other days you get once you're successful, you can choose what you do. So, for example, yesterday I worked from six o'clock in the morning. I drove 400 miles doing different meetings and I still was on the phone to someone in America last night at midnight and yeah. I got up at four o'clock to come here. I ain't bothered by that mm-hmm. because those things enable me to, to do the things I do 
if I don't want to do something or I get to I go to Dubai three months a year in the winter I get to do that and I can work from there on the phone and it gives me that freedom in life but if you're new look the art, people say you get lucky you do need luck but the harder you work the luckier you get oh 100% but knowing your market is key so like for me I made I've done I've not done one, one bad investment but I've done a few the worst one I ever did was a restaurant okay so I thought because I owned gyms I owned a group of gyms at that time which I've now sold um, I wanted health food restaurants in that gym. Someone come to me for an investment in a health food restaurant. I didn't do any checks because I got carried away. Yeah. I put my business name on their restaurant, backed it, and within two weeks I realised he couldn't even cook. He was meant to be a chef. And then I'm stuck with a restaurant with my brand on it, knowing nothing about that industry, not looked at it, because I hadn't done any research on the yeah, guy I put course. money into. I lost 90 grand in six months and I shot it. You know, That's not the worst amount of money I've ever lost, but it was the worst thing I ever did because... I didn't know about that market. I just jumped in. I don't do that, but I did. Is it because you felt a bond with someone? Because what I mean is, I'll meet someone. I'm there like, yeah, I love them. And then you do something. You're there like, I. Yeah, a bit of that, and a bit like of people too quickly. A bit of in my head, I thought I've got these gyms. They're successful. Mm. I'll food prep, and that will bang. Yeah, of course. And I'll bang all of those clients into that. And because the quality of that, the food weren't good enough for that. The quality of my gyms, because they were high end, it didn't work. And it was mistake after mistake. Chefs were a nightmare. Food's a nightmare. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know margins. It was a nightmare. Mm. It, it, I got rid of it as quick as I could. And that was hard because it was a local business with my brand name on. And my ego took over there. I should have shut that before. Now, yeah. what actually happened there, and this is what my wife's like, I was away working for four or five days. When I come back, she'd shut it and stripped the building. So I'm not joking. I feel for it was running. I come back. And she, I come back, she went, to tell you, she went, I've shut, shut the restaurant. I said, what have you done it for? What about the brand? And she went, I've moved the restaurant into the gym. So we had like a juice cafe there. I moved it into there and I've stripped. I went into this building we was renting. It was stripped. No kitchen, nothing. She gutted it. And she went, it's done. Best thing she ever did for me. I was about to say, is that, that that's a must, that must be a good thing, both being business minded as mm. well. There's certain things you can't see because you're too invested in it. It might be too emotions involved. You don't, like the ego thing, part of it. It was like, a million percent. That. Yeah, I've got this thing where like, if I go out and people are there like, oh, you're doing this, you're doing that. And they're like, I get, I get a little carried away sometimes. Yeah, I believe my own hype. And then exactly. an hour later, I'm there like, I wouldn't take advice from you. Why am I letting you? Yeah, yeah. It was exactly that. And then like, I was spending 95% of my time concentrating on this business that was losing money that was never going to make as much money as the other things I do, yeah. like ever, and only 5% of the time on the things that have made me what, what I've got. Mm-hmm. It, 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 was, it was ludicrous how I was living with it. It was yeah. stressful. It was stressful. Not, I don't mind about losing money in business. That's what you have to do sometimes to, yep. to get somewhere. I don't mind that. But the amount of stress and work, I was, I was going in and fucking making coffee and like clearing plates off people's tables. Wow. Now, I don't mind doing that. That yeah, doesn't bother my ego. If things need to be done, I'll do them. But it was ridiculous mm. in a way because I've got businesses doing eight-figure sums and I'm, I'm clearing plates because I want that to work more than the thing that feeds my kids. Do you know what I mean? So I needed a reality check with it and yeah. that's what she did with it. And I, do you know what? Within like two days, I thought, oh, yeah, this is better. Yeah. You know I, mean? I was back to doing what I was, should have been doing. Course. So the whole whole thing of the spike. So yeah. your spike is the thing that makes you stand out, which is why the whole thing is yeah. the spike and everything. So crowded markets, your unique selling point. Yeah. What, what do you think your spike is? I keep going. Mm-hmm. I keep knocking on that door. No matter who says no to me, I'll put the phone up to you. So whoever it is, I will ring them up. Yeah. CEO or dustbin man. So some people get scared. I think of contacting people. Yeah. You know, maybe contacting me because they think, oh, they've got this. They won't want to talk to me. Well, why not? Yeah. You know, what's the worst that happens? He says no to you. 
you ring him back the next day, he says, no, Joe. You know, we've got products in supermarkets now. That took three years of Tesco saying no, mm. for example. Now, people can walk away or they can keep going. Yeah. So you've got to keep going more than the next person. Mm. You know? I just think that when people say no as well, like we have it with the team here, mm. they're not saying no to you. It's not a personal attack. No. So I keep saying people get upset about it. I'm like, that's not a personal thing. They're just saying no because at right now they don't they don't want to spend the money on this or they don't want to do that. But that's not saying in two years' time that they're not going to turn around and be there like, oh, I actually want to work with this person. A million percent. And you don't know whether on a month... Look, what I always say to people as well, look, you don't know when you ring someone, right, whether their missus has had an argument with them, yeah. they kick the dog, like yeah. kids are ill. You don't know what's going on. What's happened at work, you know? Maybe his wife's just had an affair. He's got the amp. He ain't going to buy nothing for you that day. Yeah, of course. Next day he might. I'm quite hit and miss like that. Someone calls my phone. I've got this thing. I've got. I've got two phones. I've got my work phone and my personal yeah. phone. People call my personal phone. I get my guard up big time. I always save the number and I save it. Who June? Who August? And the date. And then go on WhatsApp and quickly check to see who it is. Yeah. It keeps reminding me. Cause it says airdrop where I try to Google search someone's photo because <laughs> they, they wouldn't reply. I was texting like, oh, who's this? I'm in meetings. Called me. I was like. Still in this meeting, yeah. just put a question mark, and then I ended up trying to Google search their photo, and yeah. it didn't come up, and I was like, oh, I don't know who this is now. I mean, it is hard. I mean, yes, I'll be honest, yesterday, I was in the car doing deals, and my phone, I was with somebody, and my phone didn't stop ringing. Mm. And some of it's important, and some of it ain't. And some of it was important, but I knew I was going to be on the phone for an hour. Yeah. I thought, I can't do this call sitting next to someone I'm trying to do another deal with. Do you know what I mean? So. Awesome. You do have to filter that that through, but ultimately, that's why I was still on the phone at midnight last night. You still got to do it, yeah, yeah, because yeah. you will miss opportunities if you don't. Mm. That's the thing. I always try to answer it, but if I'm in the car with someone, I don't want them knowing. I'm it's a bit say. different if you're doing business with someone, then you can hear them listening. But if I'm trying to do some deals and I've got a mate in the car, oh, yeah, like he'll be ta- he'll be taking the mic out for me. He'll yeah. be doing impressions. Yeah. And I'm there, like I'm on the phone to a client. What are you doing? He's like, I don't care. Yeah, it's yeah. like you've been my mate since I was 15. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not bothered by that. And I'm like, okay, well, I am. It's a big CEO from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. They don't need you taking the piece in the background, mocking um, <laughs> my voice. That's a phone voice and everything like that. Um, but yeah, lovely chat. Last question, dinner guest. Three people. Who are you inviting? I'd have dinner with my dad. That'd be it. Yeah, that'll nice. do me. Yeah. Um, I always say that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the truth. I'd have dinner with my dad. Uh, who else would I have? I analyse this so much, this question. I get asked it all the time. I'd have dinner with Adolf Hitler. See, that, see, I always pick someone like that. Either Winston Churchill or that. Yeah, yeah, and like, maybe Winston. Or someone that's gone missing, yeah. Oh, that's a good like, one. Uh, Madeleine McCann's a yeah. example of this, yeah. Loads of people go, oh, you can't say that. No, no, no. I'd want to know what happened. Yeah, yeah. And then that... Because, like, with it, uh, obviously, we all know he's a monster. But what is your... Because we're never going to meet him. What is his mindset? Why? Yeah. Like, what the... What, like, what is your, thing, what is your mm. thought process here? You know... He's not a great man, is no, he? No, definitely not, but yeah. But in history, is there anyone more famous than him? Probably not. No. You know, horrendous person. But why? You know, at the minute, would you have, want to have dinner with Putin? Probably. Would you want to know what was going on in his mind? Yeah, uh, yeah and no, I don't know. I know. I, uh, that's you might not come out of the dinner. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, so fine, so we've got maybe Hitler, yeah. dad. Yeah. And, um... I'll do else like that. Probably Winston Churchill, yeah. Yeah, I watched his um his film Churchill. the other day. I can't remember which one it is. Um the most recent one they did about him. Yeah, yeah. Unreal. Yeah, he's a great man. Yeah. See, uh, the one I always say, and this is everyone's like, what you'd want to have dinner with him, is Justin Bieber. Simply because when he was really young, got found, fame and everything like that, he's done some stupid things, he's been caught out for, always had his life in the media to like a different extreme to anyone oh. else. The stories. He's probably lived the in a worst life and best life of anyone you've ever going to meet. Oh, because do you know what? I was listening to someone the other day talking to him, and they were saying, um, "You've been famous from 
well, from, from birth, you know, from, from birth, eight, right? nine, like, yeah, eight or nine, and you've only just like he, had, he went through that bad phase, didn't he? Yeah, you know, yeah. Now he seems to be quite mature, and he's a good laugh. I watched him because I never really liked him, and then I watched him on James Corden. Yeah, and I thought it was cool to hate oh. him, wasn't it? And then I liked him because yeah. he was really good in carpool karaoke, and I thought you're different to what I perceive. Mm. So yeah, what he'd be interesting. He would be, no. he'd be quite a good fun. I just think I, he's just someone. Elon that, Musk would be good. Yeah, he would. Elon Jeff Musk Bezos, would be good. people like yeah. that. You'd be there, trying to invest in. That's what people do to me when I'm having dinner. But yeah, I would. Um, that would be. Yeah, interesting. But really, I just want to have dinner with my dad one more time. I'd do anything for that. Mm. You just said there were people do that when dinner with you. Does that bug you? No, I like it because you never like know it. what they're going to come up with. So True. I think you have to. Um, you might think first of all, oh my god, but you never know where the next investment's coming from. So I just quickly one of our. Best profit investments is a 16-year-old kid. So my, my daytime wife, Phil, was in a poll in Portugal yeah. with a friend of his kid, 16, and he's, this kid buys and sells trainers. He says, we'll give you three grand. So he gives this kid three grand, and he doesn't know the kid's name is Benji. Benji's over there listening to Phil talk to his friend's son. Benji swims over, he's 16, don't know him, lives in Birmingham, and says to my partner, I can, I'll do that. Right? So we end up giving both kids three grand each. Phil's friend's son... It stopped after a month. We took all of his stock, gave it to Benji. Yeah. Benji's 18 now. Benji's turning over 180 grand a year. Wow. He's 18. He can't drive. But he doesn't stop online. Does not stop. He rings me up all the time. Never scared to ask me a question. Last week, run me up. I want to buy an horse box. I said, why do you want to buy an horse box? He went, I'm going to take it to fairs and I'm going to sell trainers. Like used trainers. Out of, this is all used trainers. Out of fairs. I went, you can't drive. He went, my mum will take me. <laughs> I said, if you want to do it, do it. Yeah, at that he's point, learning. surely he must be funding his driving lessons. Like, oh, just, it's like Benji, you've got to learn to drive. But he's done that all via social media. Yeah, he's got crazy. a website, and it's just like he's taught me stuff. And what I like about Benji, he doesn't say it, 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 like really. Some people could be scared to ring me and Phil. Yeah, really, he'll ring us. He ring me ten times about anything he wants. Yeah, Do you know what I mean, and I admire that in him because mm. it's drive. It's the next generation, isn't it? Yeah, it's driving. Adults don't do it. And that kid, that kid eventually, whether it's this business or a different one, will be a millionaire. He will. Yeah. But he's just got that thing. Mm. There's a whole, I can't remember who it is now, but they do all like the Grealish, Rice, all their personal shopping. It's like yeah, it's called docu- The Plug, isn't it? Yeah, documentaries about it now. It's, oh. He's only 22, him, you know. Yeah, it's crazy. He, he, he saw he bought um, Jack Grealish a football table, and I think he doesn't need that from you right now. He's <laughs> 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 just like, where is he going to put this? But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's one of them. But, Joe. Loved having you on. It's been good catching up and everything like that. So cheers, and I hope the, I hope the drive back's not too Thanks bad. Thanks a lot, mate. Thanks for having me. Loved it.